I'm Andy Otto, next on Thought Press. Energy is the topic of discussion at water coolers this season, not to mention winter heating prices. Our world's weather is slowly getting worse, causing natural disasters and increasing oil costs. This coming winter has got people worried about how much extra money is coming out of their pockets to keep warm. We'll have the numbers, including a look at the future of environmentally friendly vehicles. Pope Benedict canonizes five new saints and says no to married priests. Also, going back to the moon means finding oxygen sources, and we did. This is an important uh, step to preparing a doable program of lunar exploration. See what's needed before man steps foot on the lunar surface. Schools are choosing between laptops and textbooks. What would you choose? Finally, Apple goes to court over the iPod Nano. This all next on Thompkins. I'm Andy Otto. Thanks for listening. Whether on your commute or at home, Thought Press brings things together for you on demand and whenever you decide. Do you have something to add? Email us at thoughtpress at gmail.com. Our voice line is also open for your thoughts. Just call 206-33-THINK. Again, that's 206-338-4465. Let's begin with talk on energy. It seems it's become a regular part of our program, after all that affects us all, But what causes all these high prices and lack of supply? Obviously, lately in the U.S., it's been hurricanes. In fact, weather is often being a big cause, and this winter is expected to be 0.4% colder than last winter. But global warming hasn't stopped. According to a study published this week online by the National Academies of Science, extreme weather events such as floods and droughts are likely to increase in frequency and severity over the next century in the United States. The forecast suggests these events could be large enough to disrupt the country's economy and infrastructure. The climate model was created by the computers at Purdue University. They analyzed different regions across the country and made projections about the years ahead and through the 21st century. Here's an idea of what they found. In the southwest, desert areas that now remain the hottest for about two weeks will, at the end of the century, last for up to three months. This thanks to global warming. Decades down the 21st century road, the coldest areas of the U.S. will be 10 degrees Celsius warmer. This climate model ran for five months straight. It looked at patterns and trends in the past to forecast predictions for the future. Noah Diffenbaugh of the Purdue study says, while the model's not perfect, it's something to spark discussion. Scientists are also studying other parts of the world. As for this winter... The U.S. Department of Energy released a report this month with the projected figures for heating costs this winter. Natural gas, we told you before, will cost 48% more than it did last year, but heating oil will cost you more than 31%, propane a bit more than 29%. Average cost of heating oil has gone up about 62 cents a gallon, just to give you some of the numbers. Certainly you can expect to have the heat on more days than usual, Now pay attention, let's see how much more is coming out of your wallet this winter if you heat your home with natural gas. That'll cost you on average $354 more than last year. Heating oil will be $378. So the cost of gas is higher, which is forcing car companies to produce a lot more hybrid cars. Well, Tokyo is hosting a car show, and Steve Herman got a sneak peek. There, the highlight is environmentally friendly vehicles. 
With hundreds of reporters and photographers on hand, Toyota's president, Katsuaki Watanabe, unveils the top Japanese automaker's latest concept model, the Fine X. It features four-wheel independent drive control for getting into those ultra-tight parking spaces and a hybrid fuel cell gasoline-powered engine. While this year's famous Tokyo Motor Show will feature cars of all sizes, many, whatever their paint color, will have a tint of green, figuratively. Most Japanese and foreign manufacturers are eager to demonstrate that they are joining the green revolution by making cars that are more fuel efficient or use alternative sources of energy. Toyota has led the way with the commercial success of its Prius model, a gasoline electric hybrid. With record high oil prices and rising global concern about the effects auto emissions have on the environment, other automakers are jumping on the bandwagon. Subaru spokesman Jun Imada says the desire to produce environmentally friendlier vehicles is not just about profit because the development costs are extremely high and there is no guarantee of a payoff in the marketplace. As a system, Fuel have very difficult engineering wall, but when we think about the uh, environmental benefit, we automobile company must finish the work for the new type like a fuel cell to protect nature. Subaru is unveiling its own gasoline-electric motor hybrid, the B5TPH. Competitor Mazda is displaying dual-fuel systems partly powered by hydrogen. Honda is rolling out its FCX concept car, a premium fuel cell sedan, and Nissan on Wednesday unveiled the Pivo concept car, powered by a compact lithium-ion battery, with a driver and passenger cabin that revolves 360 degrees, eliminating the need to shift into reverse. BMW's chairman, Helmut Panke, remains a skeptic. He says that while such heavier hybrids can be more fuel efficient in stop-and-start urban driving, the fuel cell and electric cars will not spell doom for the gasoline-powered engine. Less than 5% of total market will, in the long term, be hybrid. It will have application for certain uses, and everybody will have to have it because Customers ask for it, but the bigger challenge is to reduce the fuel consumption for the standard engine. The German luxury automaker is not ignoring alternative fuels completely. It has joined German-American rival Daimler Chrysler and General Motors of the United States in an alliance to develop new hybrid vehicle technology. Steve Herman, Tokyo. By the way, about oil prices in the Northeast, Massachusetts Congressman Ed Markey has urged the president to tap into the Northeast Home Heating Oil Reserve to help consumers with high prices. The White House has yet to respond. Pope Benedict has certainly done a lot lately, like gathering with thousands of children at the Vatican. And now the Pope has presided over his first canonization ceremony, proclaiming five new saints. 
Sabrina Castle Franco reports. St. Peter's Square was crowded with thousands of pilgrims from the different nationalities of the five new saints. The newly proclaimed role models of the Catholic Church included a Chilean Jesuit, two Polish prelates and two Italians, a Capuchin brother and the founder of a religious order. The pilgrims waved flags, cheered and applauded as the Pope read out their names. San Felicita Nicosia. It was Pope Benedict's first canonization ceremony. It is early to say if such events will be as common as with his predecessor. Pope John Paul II canonized 482 people during his long papacy. Pope Benedict has approved the start of the canonization process for only one person so far, Pope John Paul himself. He has also decided that he will not preside over beatification ceremonies, but designate cardinals to celebrate those masses. Sunday's mass also closed a three-week synod of bishops held at the Vatican. Most of the 250 bishops who attended the gathering were present in the square for the ceremony. During his homily, Pope Benedict reaffirmed the Catholic Church's rule on priestly celibacy. He called celibacy a precious gift and the sign of undivided love toward God. He also said lay Catholics had to show their faith clearly, saying no dichotomy is admissible between faith and life. The Pope also sent a special greeting to the church in China, saying its suffering will not be in vain. I would now like, with you and in the name of all the bishops, the Pope said, to send a fraternal greeting to the bishops of the church in China. With deep sadness, the Pope added, we felt the lack of their representatives. The Chinese government prevented four Chinese bishops from attending the Vatican meeting. The Pope assured Catholic prelates in China that the church is close to them, their priests and their faithful. He said their suffering would not be fruitless. Sabina Castelfranco, Rome. As far as the issue of married priests, a top cardinal from an Eastern Rite church said while married priests may solve the priest shortage, it will cause, quote, equally serious problems. As you know, there is a mission on the table to go back to the moon, maybe eventually living there. How about that? Well, the Hubble Space Telescope has detected oxygen in moon minerals that future explorers could use for breathing, electricity, and fuel. Now, the old Apollo missions brought back moon rock containing oxygen-bearing minerals called ilmenite. And now scientists want to know if the plateau regions on the moon, where explorers would be, contains this mineral. Mark Robinson is a planetary scientist at Northwestern University. All the minerals you find on the moon have oxygen in them. But ilmenite is special in the sense that it's relatively easy to break it apart to get to the oxygen. NASA Hubble scientist Jennifer Wiseman. Future human expeditions to the moon could benefit by being able to use resources on the site instead of having to carry, for example, all of their life support systems up with them. So this is an important uh, step to preparing a doable program of lunar exploration. In 2008, NASA is launching a satellite called the Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter. This will analyze and take pictures of the moon's surface in preparation of a human landing in 2018. NASA moon scientist Michael Wargo. 
the quality of the measurements that were made by Hubble are going to allow us prior to the launch of Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter to help the team start to target where are the places that we want to look carefully at. NASA says the Hubble images will require many months of analysis to determine the amount of ilmenite and therefore oxygen at the potential lunar landing site. Oh, and on the topic of space, the European Space Agency is going to Venus. The Venus Express was scheduled to launch Wednesday, but was postponed due to the discovery of contamination by rocket insulation. Imagine if you ran a school, a high school, and you were given the option of having textbooks or laptops for your students. Which would you choose? Well, one of Arizona's school's choice may or may not surprise you. Nancy Beardsley reports. A new high school opened in Vail, Arizona this past July with all the resources you'd expect to find in classrooms these days, except textbooks. Instead, every student received an Apple laptop computer, making Empire High School one of America's first schools to do away with textbooks entirely. The idea for Empire High's all-laptop curriculum came as administrators, teachers, and parents were making plans for the new school, which is located on the edge of Tucson. Calvin Baker, superintendent of the Vail School District, says a committee visited classrooms that were making partial use of laptops and came away with two distinct impressions. One was that students in schools where laptops were being used were clearly more engaged. And the other is that we felt we could do more with laptops. Because we had the opportunity here of opening a new school, that we could make them an integral part of what we do and actually change the way we do things. And we sort of forced that issue by not buying any textbooks. Teachers helped plan the school's wireless curriculum, often experimenting with different ideas in classrooms where they taught before. The result is a high school where laptops can be found everywhere from Spanish language class to music to biology. Okay, make sure that you are setting up your data tables and getting ready to graph your results in Excel. And if you need help, remember we had a link to the website that had the instructions last Friday. Michael Frank teaches a first-year biology class where students are doing experiments with deshelled chicken eggs. They're using their laptops to access instructions for their lab work, organize data, and graph the results. Mr. Frank says he's drawn on computer technology to teach classes at other schools in the past, but with laptops, students take a more active part in the process. They will be putting together all the results from this experiment in a PowerPoint presentation for the class later, and I know that I can just give them an address for a website that has information, and they can go look at it there. A lot of times with science, we use it because you can get immediate access to the most recent information about things in science. We don't have to wait five or six years for it to get into a textbook or something like that. So it's much more immediate, much more access to just a huge amount of data about things. Vail School Superintendent Calvin Baker says Empire High had the advantage of being a new facility, so administrators could hire teachers committed to the new technology. 
students could choose whether they wanted to attend Empire, so they too are unusually enthusiastic. And since Empire just opened its doors, it hadn't already spent money on textbooks. It cost roughly $500 to outfit a high school student with a complete set of textbooks for four years. So we took that money that we would have invested in textbooks. We also took money that we normally would have used to create computer labs around the school, and we used that to purchase the laptops. The laptops cost us about $800 each. Still, the pioneering effort posed a variety of challenges. One was simply the technological hurdles with having a place where 350 students can open up their laptops and all have good, fast Internet access, and how to configure the laptops. And then the other challenge was finding the material. And then we are not just presenting material, but students are also turning in most of their assignments via the web. So we researched the best ways of doing that. There have been surprises since the effort got underway as well. Matt Federoff, the school's director of technology, says using computers for fun doesn't always translate into the skills needed for use in the classroom. We thought the kids would be better at computing than they actually are. Being able to drive your Xbox or your iPod is not the same thing as being able to take a computer, use it, create a document, save it with a file name, put it in a particular location, retrieve it from a particular location. And that has been a real challenge. But administrators say the system is working well overall, and students seem to agree. Sophomore Justin Platt says it's a relief not having to worry about having different textbooks for every class. You keep a lot more organized. You have to worry about bringing all this different stuff every day. It's always there for you. Chrissy Granillo, also a sophomore, says her grade point average has risen dramatically at Empire. I'm always on the computers at home, so having one at school just makes it easier on me. So is this the wave of the future? Calvin Baker believes more schools will move towards laptop instruction in the years ahead, but he says it will be hard to break old teaching and learning habits, and he stresses that the change has to be a matter of public choice. We're right now in the middle of planning stages for a new elementary school, and that group of teachers and parents who are involved in planning that new elementary school are asking, what are we going to do? to make our school technologically on the cutting edge. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for parents and teachers demanding this to happen. Then we can move in and make it happen. This is not a solution that is going to work imposed from above. Calvin Baker also emphasizes that he's not trying to make Empire High a technology school. And he says quality education still has to be about things like hard work, self-discipline, and outstanding teaching, with laptops becoming a natural part of the classroom, just as they become a natural part of workplaces across America. This is Nancy Beardsley. Your thoughts? Send your emails to thoughtpress at gmail.com. Apple's iPod Nano has had its share of complaints. First, it was that the screens were cracked and some of them right out of the package. Apple took care of that, but now a group of consumers have filed a lawsuit against Apple saying that the unit is defective and that they pushed for its release sooner than it should have been. The suit's claim is that the device's screen scratches so easily under normal use 
and it becomes so bad that the display is unreadable. Jason Tomchak is the named plaintiff in the case. He said that by simply rubbing the screen with a paper towel caused the screen to scratch. Here's what he and the other plaintiffs want. The return of their $25 fee that they had to pay to return the Nano, the original cost of the device, and a share of Apple's, quote, unlawful profits from the sales of iPods. I'm Andy Otto. Thanks for listening to Thought Press. You may follow with links or stories mentioned on this program through our website, thoughtpress.blogspot.com. If you have suggestions or comments or would like to be heard on Thought Press, call us at 206-33-THINK or email thoughtpress at gmail.com. Our number again is 206-338-4465. Our audio is hosted by archive.org and select content is provided by Voice of America. Don't forget to visit our website, thoughtpress.blogspot.com. Thanks.